excited today to continue our series in the book of Ruth. We're taking in the summer more of an expository approach where we're working through a book of the Bible. And so when you work through a book of the Bible, as you go chapter by chapter, it's what happens is you, you get what's called text to topic. The text gives you what the topic is. Sometimes we take the approach of topic to text. We'll pick a topic and then grab passages in the Bible and teach through them. We learned last week some things about um, this book of Ruth and, and that it really is a book of honor. And so today I want to do this, do something. I want you to welcome our church family. We have people um, online in our church community in Victorville, Sacramento, Modesto, Needles, Mammoth Lakes, Oregon, Alabama, Arizona, Texas, Arkansas, Colorado. Come on, give them all a big hand. Latvia, Mexico, North Carolina, Colorado, Arkansas. Man, we're so glad that you are with us. As we've gone through the book of Ruth, here's what we discovered. It's a book about honor. And we live in a culture that we really have kind of lost sight of what honor is. All you got to do is look on social media and you'll see people dishonor each other. You look in the political realm, a lot of dishonor happening back and forth. And so the question is, what is honor? We think sometimes honor is just opening the door for someone or giving your seat to someone who's elderly in a room. But really, biblical honor, there's a lot of attributes, a lot of things that are associated with what honor is. And so I'm going to give you real quick the cliff notes of the book of Ruth. There was a woman by the name of Naomi. Her husband and two sons moved out of Israel to the land of Moab. When they were there, they end up, uh, the two sons get married, and then the two sons and the dad die. So Naomi is now a widow, and she has two daughter-in-laws. She decides and kind of comes to this moment of repentance. She was really in disobedience by moving, moving to the land of Moab. She repents and moves back to the land of Israel. And when she goes, one of her daughter-in-laws makes a powerful statement. It's a statement of honor. So I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to read this with me. You all excited today to be in church? Yeah. Amen. I'm glad you're here. So let's read this together. Ready? All together out loud. All of you online do the same. But Ruth replied... Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I want you to close your eyes. In fact, as we pray today, I'm going to take a moment and pray. There was a shooting in Dayton, Ohio, shooting in Texas, and so we want to pray right now as well for that. Let's begin with that. Lord, we just pray right now that, Lord, you would bring comfort and strength. We thank you that you're the ever-present help in time of need. So I pray that you would bring peace and comfort the hearts of family members who've lost loved ones. I pray for just wisdom to our leaders and our states and cities and governments, Lord. We pray for wisdom. And we pray, God, that you would pour out revival. You would pour out. You are the answer, Lord. You are the hope of the world. So Jesus, step into our nation. Bring revival. Awaken us. And Lord, I pray, teach us in this series to be people of honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. amen, you may be seated. Thank you. You see, when Ruth made this statement, wherever you go, I'll go, where you live, I'll live, your God will be my God, your people will be my people, what she was saying is this, as the daughter-in-law, she was saying, I'm committing now, if it ends up being this way, that I'll be single if I have to for the rest of my life. Not only that, I will leave my family and my friends, move to another country. I'll be a caregiver until you're passing. I'm committing to honor you. Ruth was a woman of honor. 
And this book is really a book about honor. And as we go through this book, we discover there's some powerful truths about honor. And I'm going to review a little bit um, in a few minutes uh, last week. But I want to jump into the story now. You remember that they left, and as they left the nation of Israel, Lemelech and his two sons, Malon and Kilion, die. So now Ruth has made a decision to repent, to return to God, to come home. And so as she does, Ruth goes with her, and this is where we pick up on the story. She arrives in town. Everyone says, it's good to see you. Um, Naomi, she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because I left full, and now I'm returning empty. And even though she wasn't perfect, um, and she was kind of in a bad place mentally, um, blaming God for her problems, she still had started a process of repentance, of returning to God. This is where we pick up our story in chapter 2. Y'all with me? Chapter 2, here we go. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say today is a little bit more of a teaching versus kind of a preaching, but just hang in there with me because I believe that this foundational truth is important in our lives. Now, there was a, a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem by the name of Boaz. We're going to take a, a long look at Boaz next week. We're going to learn what his name means. We're going to learn that his, his, his understanding of who he was was actually connected later on in the temple of God, the pillar of Boaz. We'll talk about that. And we're going to learn about his character and how he was a man of honor. He was in Bethlehem. His name was Boaz. And he was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. We're going to find out about that in the, in the following week. One day, Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Now, remember, they're poor, destitute. They have no money. They have no wealth. And um, she says, let me go to work. Let me help provide. I'll go out into the fields. It's harvest time. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter. Go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. When you read this part of the story, it gives us kind of the bumper sticker for the weekend. And I'm going to tell you, this isn't a glamorous point. It's not something that we, you might even get all super excited about when you see it. But I want to tell you, it's a foundational principle that is connected to honor. So if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the thing we need to leave with this weekend. You ready? It's simply this. If you want to honor, you honor God with Hard work. Everybody say hard work. Everybody say work hard. So honor isn't just about um, saying nice things or it, it's about, we learned last week, disobedience, but it's about hard work. Now, where do you get that? You might say, Pastor Jerry, that's interesting, but I don't understand where, where you get honor being connected to hard work. Well, let's start, first of all, with some review. First of all, we learned that uh, the book begins with dishonor, Right? Because Elimelech and his wife Naomi, they leave Israel, where God's presence is, and they move to the land of Moab. The land of Moab was a cursed land that God had said, I do not want my people to live there. I don't want my people to marry the Moabites. And so what happens is, because they went through a famine or a recession, rather than trusting God as their provider, they went where the money was. There were jobs in Moab. 
So rather than seeking God's will, rather than obeying God and his truth and his word, they just bailed on God's word to do what was convenient. They chased the money and they walked in disobedience. And we learn that the book begins with dishonor to God's truth and his word. Now, a lot of people will do that, right? Whatever's convenient, what looks the best, rather than seeking God in his will and his word and following his principles, they just bail for what's the easiest or what's the best. They chase the money or they do what culture does or they do what everybody else does. And we learned last week that the book begins with dishonor. But what we find here is that Ruth, she demonstrates obedience, Because not only does she, as a Moabite who isn't a follower of God, who in fact, the Moabites, they worshipped the God of Molech and Chemosh. Molech actually taught the people, or this teaching through their priests, was to sacrifice kids in the fire to their God. It was a horrific, evil place. So she repents and turns to the real God, the God of God Yahweh, and she moves to the land with her mother-in-law. Now, here's what's interesting. When, you, we, when she gets there, immediately we see that she's a woman of obedience. We let, learned last week that if we're going to honor God, we honor with obedience. It's not just enough to say, I love you. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's what, like, right, parents? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Doing a little review here. So we learned that. You can go back and listen to it online. But, but there's even a deeper truth, because here's what we discover, is that Ruth, when she gets there, she realizes, wait a minute, M- mom? I want to go out, mother-in-law, Naomi, I want to go out and I want to work in the fields. Why does that speak to obedience? Well, here's why. Because if you read the laws of of, of the Old Testament, here's what you'll discover in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 and Deuteronomy chapter 24, is that according to the laws that God gave the people, here's what he said. He said, if you own a field and you're in the midst of harvest, here's what you need to do. When you're harvesting your crops, when you get to the edges of the field and the corners of the field, don't harvest the edges and the corners. Leave the crop there so that the poor, because they don't have anything, can go out into the field and they can harvest that food and have food for their family. In fact, he goes, it goes on to say in the law that if you're harvesting and you drop some things or you forget some, st- you know, some fruit on the stalk or on the tree, don't go back and get it, but leave it on the ground or leave it there so that the poor can go and harvest and have something to eat for their family. Y'all with me? Now, here's what Ruth could have said. Ruth obviously had decided, I'm going to serve the God, the real God of the world, Yahweh. And so she decided, I'm going to obey his command. So she had sought God. She had talked to someone or she'd went to a, uh, someone who could teach them about the laws of the land. And she'd learned God's laws and said, I'm going to obey him. I'm not going to, because here's what could have happened. They could have said, because Naomi had a lot of sympathy, she'd lost her husband, her two sons, everyone had compassion on her, she was a widow, so she could have just said, well, you know what, people are going to take care of me, because that would happen sometimes, people would be generous and give to a widow in need, and so she could have said, Ruth could have said, well, you know, God will take care of us, and you know what, we've gone through a lot, you know, we deserve, we've, we've had a hard time, life's been tough on us, we deserve some free stuff. Do you feel like that sounds like the culture we live in today? 
Come on, there's this mindset that's, that's worked its way into our culture. It's in our young people. It's in others as well, our, our you know, different people in culture. And it's kind of like, well, you know, we deserve to be taken care of. We're humans. We have rights. And as a human, I deserve this and I deserve this. And the government should do this and the government should do this and the government. And before long, we have this mindset and it's counter to what God said, because here's what's interesting about the laws of God. The laws of God said, I'm going to make a way for those in need to be taken care of. And here's how it's going to be. Those that have are going to be generous, but those that don't, they're still going to go into the field and work if they want to eat. Now, I know I'm getting some amens, but some of you are looking at me like, "Mm, what? Isn't it interesting that God teaches work as an important principle in honor? Because Ruth is honoring God by obeying his words, by working hard. She's honoring her mother-in-law by saying, I'm not just going to let us sit back and get a handout, but I'm going to go out because I'm young and because I'm strong, and I'm going to do something to make a difference and provide for us. And so she obeys the law. The point is, the Bible is teaching us that one of the things in life that we're called to do is to work hard. Y'all with me? And when we do that, it's honoring to God. In other words, God literally teaches in the Bible, don't be lazy. Come on, anybody here have met somebody who was lazy? Come on, raise your hand. Some of you are too lazy to raise your hand. Come on, now, how many know sometimes we all get a little lazy? Come on, anybody ever been there? Right? I heard, I heard someone say, I'm, here's what they said. They said, I'm not lazy. Uh, well, let's go to the next thing, guys. We'll go back to that verse in a minute. They say this. They say, I'm not lazy. I'm just on energy-saving mode. <laughs> Can I actually show you the Bible talks about laziness? I want to go there for a minute. Let's go back to the verse. Proverbs 13, verse 4 says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will what? The Bible tells us that we shouldn't be lazy. I could tell you verse after verse after verse that talks about the perils of laziness. God says we need to be people who have work ethic. We need to be people who work hard. Now let me stop and say the Bible did make a place, and we'll see in a moment, it did make a place for people who were not able to work because of a a physical disability. There There was a way for them to be provided for. But in the scripture what we find is as long as you are capable, the Bible says that you need to be someone who works hard. The problem is is that it's easy for us, and in our culture, we've kind of raised up a culture sometimes of people who've been taken care of, who've been entitled, and if they're not careful, we we buy into this mentality of entitlement, and we become lazy. You know know you're lazy. Let me tell you how you can know you're lazy. You ready? Here, Here you go. You know you're lazy when the farther away the remote is, the more you like the show that's already on TV. How about about this one? You know you're lazy when you win the award for laziness, you send someone else to pick it up for you. (laughs) Or how about this one? Let's get real, practical. You know you're lazy when the ice drops from the refrigerator and you kick it underneath it. Come on. (laughs) Now, 
I know this is a little sensitive issue, but the reality is that if we're not careful, we can all buy into a lazy mentality. Can I tell you three things that the Bible teaches us about laziness? I just want to kind of divert for a minute. Is that all right? Let's talk about being lazy, okay? Here's what the Bible teaches about laziness. Here's the first thing. Number one, lazy people make excuses. Come on. Have you ever had your kids when you gave them a list of things to do? But, but, but I can't go outside and water the plants. It's hot out there. Do you know how many people, I just Googled it, get heat stroke in the middle of the summer? Come on, we all have excuses. Yeah, let me show you what the Bible says about lazy people. The Bible says this, the lazy person claims, I can't go to work because if I go and work, I can't give my best because if I go outside, there's a lion out there. And if I go outside, I might be killed. This is craziness, right? It's just an excuse. The Bible teaches us that lazy people always have an excuse. Well, I can't do better because, you know, I grew up in a bad home environment. I, 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 can't, I can't work because, you know, first of all, can I just stop and say, how many are thankful that right now we're in a season of harvest, that God is giving us a blessed season, that right now the unemployment is the lowest it's been in 60 years? Come on, can we thank God for that? Praise God. In fact, according to uh, the economy, there are more jobs available than people that will take them. Employees are trying to find people to work. If somebody wants to work, they can work. And so what the Bible teaches us is don't buy into whatever excuse the enemy gives us to be lazy because lazy people will make excuses. Here's the other thing the Bible teaches about laziness is that lazy people easily fall into sin. Do you know what the Bible teaches us that? Let's go to a passage in scripture. Um, in fact, let me just say, how, how many of you heard of that? You know, how many have, have maybe even quoted that verse that says that, that uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop? How many of you? Well, let me, let me make a joke. That, that really isn't in a, a verse in the Bible. <laughs> just checking to see if, if you're paying attention on the scripture there. But you know, reality is that the Bible does really teach that principle. I want to show you a passage. This is even in the New Testament. Paul he had been in a city with his um, church family. He'd been there working and teaching them. And in fact, he starts off and he says, hey, listen, you guys, I've been an example to you because I wasn't lazy. I worked hard. I didn't even ask you to help me for a meal. I, I worked and paid my way. And he said, and when we were there, we gave you this command. Look at this. Those unwilling to work, one translation says this way, should not even be able to eat. This is the scripture. This is the Bible. Those unwilling to work will not eat. They will not get to eat. Now watch what he says. Yet, we've left now, and we hear that some of you are living idle lives. In other words, you're not working. You're being lazy. And watch what happens when you begin to be idle. Because you've been idle, because you've been lazy, look what he says, refusing to work, and now you're meddling in other people's business. You got too much time on your hands. And then he goes on to say this. Let's go on. He says, so here's what we command you as Christians who know about this. When you know of someone like that, we command such people to settle down and work to earn their own living. These are the words of the Apostle Paul to the church. 
And what he teaches us is that when we become lazy, if we're not careful through our laziness and our idleness, it, it, it allows us to move into temptation moments where now suddenly we begin to, to, to gossip, get into other people's business. Some of you are saying, Pastor, are you sure that's what he's saying? Well, let's go to what he says in 1 Timothy when he's speaking to widows. The Bible had set up a plan for widows who had needs and needed food that if they were a widow and they had no way to provide for themselves and there was no government assistance like we have now, then the church helped provide food for them. But watch what he says. He says in 1 Timothy, he says, listen, if there's a widow on the list who's a young woman and able to work, she needs to work and not get free stuff from the church. He says, here's why. He says, because if she's on the list and she's able to work, She'll become lazy, and because she becomes lazy, she'll start to be a busybody and start gossiping and cause all kinds of problems. Because idleness, laziness, it creates temptation for us to slip into sin. Come on, y'all with me. So listen, God's not just a mean person. He's just just not up there trying to to be a slave driver and and do horrible things and, and just work you to death. No, he's protecting you from being in a position where you slip into things you shouldn't be involved in. Have you ever noticed at work that it seems like the people that um, know about everybody's business probably have too much time on their hands? Come on, I'll move on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can, can I give you the last thing the Bible teaches about laziness? The Bible says this about laziness. And there's more I could take, but do you know the Bible says lazy people are contagious? In fact, if you read the rest of what Paul said, what we read a moment ago in, in um, 2 Thessalonians, when he gets done saying, hey, make sure you work, because if you don't, you're going to slip into sin. Here's what he says. Stay away from them. So you're like, wow, Paul was a strong guy. Intense. And here's what he says. He said, don't think of them as enemies, but warn them. In other words, what Paul is saying, listen, it's contagious. Come on. How many know that there's some kids that you hope your kids don't get around? Because when they do, what happens? They pick up. It's contagious. I want to encourage you. The Bible talks to us about this principle of working hard. Now, I I know that as we're talking about this, some of you are like, man, that's kind of interesting, Pastor Jared, but what does that have to do with honor and hard work? Okay, I get the Bible talks about laziness. Okay, I won't be lazy. I'm going to work on that. But what does the Bible say? I I get it. It tells us not to be lazy, but what what does that have to do with this whole topic? How does it connect with honor and hard work? Well, here's what I want to do. I'm going to bring this service to a close by showing you Um, in the New Testament, how that hard work connects with honor. And then I'm going to go back to the story and show you in the Old Testament how honor and hard work are connected to something else and why it's so important. First of all, I want to make a point. I want you to write it down. And that we've talked about it basically, but I'm going to say it a different way. And that is that hard work demonstrates honor. And I want to show it to you in the scripture. Let's go to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy says this. Paul is speaking... And he says, all slaves should show full, what's the next word? Full respect for their masters. So they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that's no excuse either for what? Being disrespectful. 
so the slaves should work all the harder. Now let me pause for a minute and just explain this for a minute because when you see slaves and, and masters, we immediately think of slavery in America, but you got to go back into the culture and context of thousands of years ago in Rome. Because in Rome, thousands of years ago, slavery was a lot different than the horrors of the slave trade that we see later on in history. There obviously were horrible things about slavery in those days. But in Rome at that time, much of the people that Paul was speaking to were slaves who were a lot like an employee. They were paid for their work. They often lived in places um, not with their master. So it was a lot like a boss and an employee. In fact, some slaves in those days could choose to be a slave or not be a slave. They could get to a place where they'd say, I don't want to be a slave for you anymore. I'm going to go be a slave for him. I'm not going to work for you anymore. I'm going to work for him. Now, so what was happening here was the the Bible is telling us is that let's make it a little bit more relevant. Those who are employees should show full respect. Guess what the word respect means in the Greek? Honor. So now here's what the scripture says. If you're an employee, show honor to your boss. So they will, so that will, because if you don't show honor to your boss, you're going to bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. And then it goes on to say, if employees and masters, or even if your master, by the way, is a Christian, that's not an excuse for not showing honor. And then he says, here's how you show honor. Work hard. One of the greatest ways that you can demonstrate love for God, one of the greatest ways that God can have a good name in our community is for us to say, I'm not going to be lazy. I'm going to be the best worker that my boss has. I'm going to work hard. Because working hard shows honor. Y'all with me? So let's go back to our story now. We go back to our story, and here's the point I want to make. Get ready, write this down. This is the big point, important part of the, the message, and that's this, is that hard work opens God's blessings. I want to go back to the story of Ruth. When you go back to the story of Ruth, watch what happens. She shows up the next day in the field. She asks the, 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 the man who was managing the field, hey, can I come and can I follow along behind the harvesters and collect things and, and harvest things? And he's like, sure, go right ahead. She, she's like, this is the law of God. This is how us poor people provide for ourselves. So can I do this in your field? And he says, yes, you can. And so she begins to work. Well, then guess what? Boaz, who we're going to study next week, shows up and he sees this young woman. He says, who's that? And the, the supervisor of the field says, well, that's Ruth, you know, the woman that came with Naomi and all that. And he's like, well, how, how she, what's she been doing? He said, well, she asked to work in the field. Watch. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. Now watch. She has been, what's the next word? Hard at work ever since. Except for a few moments for rest in the shelter. In other words, here's basically what he said. He says, you know what? This woman, she's a hard worker. And if you read the story, and we're going to dive into this next week, what happens is Boaz ends up providing some incredible blessings in her life. Here's why. First of all, he tells her, hey, we're going to talk about this next week. But he says, hey, you stay in this field. You don't need to go to any other field. I've instructed my men to not lay a hand on you. This was pretty amazing because in the Old Testament, thousands of years ago, through honor... God was already setting up protection from sexual harassment. Come on, isn't that good? 
So he says, stay in the field. My men won't lay a hand on you. He says, when you get thirsty, you can drink from the same watering jug that the rest of them. And then, by the way, we'll find out later, and she doesn't know this, but he's instructed his harvesters to every once in a while just drop some extra grain that she could pick up along the way. And she ends up leaving that day. By the end of the day, she's so blessed. She comes up and she meets him. And she says, Boaz, thank you. you. You're in charge of this field. You own this field. Thank you for allowing me. Why, why have you blessed me so much that your men are taking care of me, that I'm able to drink from the water jug? She asks the question, why? What have I done to get so blessed? And then Boaz answers the question. It's found later in the chapter. It says this. It says, here's why you've been blessed. We already know, first of all, it's because you're a hard worker. You've been working hard in the field. You don't even take a break. You have great work ethic. You give your all. You're not lazy. And he says, and I know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and your mother in your own land to live here among complete stranger. Here's the thing, Ruth. The reason you're blessed is because you honored because you worked hard, you, you honored through obedience to God, you honored through working hard and obeying God's principles, you honored by, by honoring your elder and someone in, in your life. And so he says, so here's the deal. Let's go on, guys, if you will, pull that. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, fully reward you for what you have done. Do you realize that if you read the story that all of these incredible blessings are released into her life? She ends up leaving that day with, I think it was something like two weeks worth of harvest. Usually the poor just got enough for the day. She didn't just get enough for a day. She had literally a dog bag size of grain when she went home that day. Two weeks worth of, of blessing as, a, as going into the field. Why? Because God will open up heaven and pour out blessings on people who will honor him in obedience and honor him not being lazy but giving your all. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is not the kind of message you hear in church very often. It's not something you see on social media very much. But as we have gone through this, uh, to be honest, I had no idea I was going to be teaching on this when I started studying the book of Ruth. And then suddenly it became so clear to me, God, you want to bless your people. And honor is the key. But we don't realize that honor is not just about obedience, but honor is about giving my best and working hard. In fact, can I show you it in the New Testament? Because I know some of you are like, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor Jerry. <laughs> in fact, some of you, I know you're sitting here and you're like, you know, last year, I had someone tell me, Pastor Jared, last week you were so funny. I didn't know you were so funny. <laughs> so I, I, I did, I'll, I'll work on my jokes. I'll work on that for you. But this week is not so much taking a subject that's a little lighter. This week, it's pretty, pretty important. Because I want you to see what the New Testament teaches us about work and about honor. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says this, work with enthusiasm. Give your best. Work hard. And what does it say? As though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Because here's the reality. When you work, you're not working for your boss. You're working for the Lord 
to be an example so that people will see him, people will know him, that you will be a, a light, salt to a saltless world. So even when you have a goofy knucklehead boss, come on, everybody been under one. Guess what? You can still give your all. Why? Because you're not doing it for your knucklehead boss. You're doing it for the Lord. So work hard. Honor the Lord and honor those that you're under. And here's why. Because when you work hard for the Lord, the Lord will remember it and will reward each one of you for the good that you do. The, the key to releasing God's divine blessings and favor. One of the important ingredients is that you work hard and you honor. Now I want to end with this because I, as I was laying in bed and I want to thank Ed, my assistant, he pulled all this stuff together last minute. I texted him at 12.30 in the morning and said, hey bro, is any way you can... <laughs> get some stuff together. So Saturday he was running around and got me some work clothes. These are authentic, by the way, <laughs> from the farmer's exchange. And so I was thinking about it. And here's what I thought about. I, I realized that a lot of people, if they get a little bit theological, here's what they think. They think that when Adam sinned, work was part of the curse. Because if you read the scripture, it's, you know, God speaks to Adam and he, first of all, he speaks to Eve. He says to Eve, because of your sin, um, now you're going to have to have children with pain. How many are just not very happy with Eve right here? here right? Come on, let's just stop. How many are thankful for, uh, uh, what is that, uh, epidurals? Come on, somebody say amen. So women now give birth with pain because of the consequence of sin. It was under the curse. And then you read the part about Adam, and he says, now you're going to have to work and toil with thorns and thistles by the sweat of your brow to get return or to get blessing or to get harvest. So people often immediately think, oh, so see, that's why I don't like to go to work. Standing up there for a long time. Because it's part of the curse. I know better. Because he said all. I think we got some mics on there, guys. All right. Maybe that's part of the curse too. I don't know. It's a... So work was part of the curse of the law. But if you read it, here's what you, you might realize if you look a little deeper. Work was not part of the curse. God had given man work before the curse ever came. The Bible says that God took Adam and he put him in the garden and he said, now I want you to work the garden. Work was part of the blessing. But because of sin, here's what God said. So now, when you work, there are going to be thorns and there are going to be thistles. And you're going to have to toil. So work's going to be a little bit harder. It's going to take a little bit more effort because for the ground to yield fruit, now part of the job of breaking the curse is that you have to get in there and remove the thorns and remove the thistles so that the ground will prosper. 
So I began to just meditate on it. It just kind of, some things came together. And I thought about the parable of the sower. And the Bible says that when the seed falls on ground that has rocky ground and thorns and thistles, it says that it gets choked up and it doesn't prosper. But the Bible says that when the, the seed falls on good ground, where there isn't thorns and thistles, it produces a hundredfold. And then I began to think about the fact that Jesus came to break the curse. And as he was on the tree, as he hung on the tree, he was wearing thorns and thistles. And now Jesus came to break the curse. But as I, I began to realize that Jesus broke the curse, then I realized that God, I think, this is my own opinion, I think that the reason that God has called us to hard work is because it's a symbol of that you and I get the opportunity to demonstrate to God that we're not going to live under sin. We're not going to live under selfishness. We're not going to live under laziness. So if we have to, Lord, we'll work hard and we'll honor. And through our hard work and our honor, we will remove the things that stand Stand in the way from us walking in God's divine blessing and God's divine inheritance. You see, hard work is your vehicle to demonstrate obedience and faithfulness so that through that process, you remove the obstacles that stand in the way from you being blessed, from you receiving the reward. God has reward for you. He has reward for your families. He has reward for your children. He has reward for your calling. He has reward for your dreams. But you and I have to do some work to make sure that we position ourselves for God to release his promises and his blessings in our lives. Faith without works is dead. And when we activate honor and we activate hard work, we activate our faith. And the Bible says that when you work with enthusiasm as unto the Lord, he will reward you. God's not wanting you to work hard and not be lazy because he's mean. It's because he loves you and he wants you walk in his blessing how many want to walk in God's blessing I want you to close your eyes 